You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hey, welcome to this special edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. This is Perry, and what you're about to hear is a message that I preached at our Unleashing Your Student and Children's Ministry Conference that we had here at New Spring on October 24th. The reason that we're releasing this particular message is because I spent um, some time talking to and about senior pastors and why their involvement and their um, their role is so crucial and so important to a student and children's ministry for, for, for it to thrive. And um, we had some senior pastors at this event, but most senior pastors, because of schedules and demands, probably could not come. And so if your youth or children's pastor asks you to listen to this, it's either because they love you or they're trying to say something to you. I don't know. You, you get to go have that conversation. But this is a special edition. It's the opening message of the Unleashing Your Student and Children's Ministry Conference that we had here um, on October 24th. Well, howdy. I am... We are so honored that you are here. I know for many of you, Anderson, South Carolina has been a bucket list destination all your life. And we feel like we've helped you accomplish some of your hopes and dreams and feel like we feel good about that. We really do. Hey, thank you for coming to Unleash Your Student and Children's Ministry Conference. Um, You're going to hear from some unbelievable leaders today. In fact, the reason I'm talking first is because I, in the next several sessions, am going to sit on the front row and take notes just like everybody because um, you're going to get to hear from Brad Cooper, who is over our student ministry, Sherry Duffy, who is over our children's ministry. And there are, listen, they are two of the greatest leaders on the planet. And so I am, we, we are honored that you are here at New Spring Church. Um, I know some of you crashed our student services last night. Hope you guys had a great time. I know it was awesome. I don't even have to ask. And so we're going to jump right in because I've got a lot, a lot, a lot of information because originally I was going to do two sessions and I've compressed two sessions into one. And I'm from a Baptist background, so we tend to be long-winded anyway. Um, and so we're just, um, we, might be, we might be here all morning. Hey, uh, the title of my talk, I've, created, I've creatively titled it Four Convictions That I Have about student and children's ministry. Four convictions, that's, that's about as creative as I got. Four convictions that I have about student and children's ministry. But before I get there, before I get there, before I get to my four convictions, I want to list out three possible reasons that you showed up at this conference. Um, you got in a car or you got on a plane or whatever, and you came here, and I want to list um, four, or, I'm sorry, three possible reasons that you're at this conference. Number one, frustration. Some of you, are incredibly frustrated. Now, you don't have to point or look at each other from your church and give a thumbs up or whatever, because if you're frustrated, know you're frustrated. You talked about it here, on the way here, you talk about it right now, you're kind of taking notes, you're not even paying attention to me because you're frustrated. And I understand frustration. Hey, my first first job in a church, I was a part-time summer youth pastor. Part-time summer youth pastor. And they told me when they hired me that I could do anything that I wanted as long as I reached kids. And I began to understand that that was church talk for you can do anything you want as long as you don't piss certain people off. That's, that's what that means, okay? And so 
And so I wound up in a frustrating situation because I'm like, I can reach these kids. And they're like, well, you're playing that music. And I'm like, it's, it's this thing called DC Talk. And back in the day, that was hot, right? And then the, the pastor thought we should do Southern Gospel. And so anyway, we had this whole frustration thing going on. I went to my second church, and there were some staff conflicts. The, the music pastor had been there longer than me. Some of our youth group were um, in his choir, and they had choir practice on Wednesday night. And I had youth group on Wednesday night, and the kids were choosing to come to youth group instead of choir practice. So he cornered me one time in the hall, and he said, here's what you need to know. I've been at this church longer than you, and if you don't do this, this, and this, I'm going to make life hell for you in this church. And I told him, I was like, listen, you've been here longer than me. I'm twice your size. I can whip your rear end. I'm barely saved. So we're going to need to figure out how to navigate this. Hey, Jesus made a whip and, and, and drove people out of the temple. I've got a verse. And so when you have, but what I know, and, and by the way, we worked through that. We worked through that. He didn't last long, but what, um, when you have staff conflict, it can be frustration. And, and let me say this before I move on. One of the biggest frustrations in the church today is between student ministry and children's ministry. And they compete with each other rather than complete each other. And that's a problem because they should be working together. There's no reason to be frustrated because you're on the same team, all right? So frustration. Number two, a second reason you're probably here is maybe inspiration. You're here to learn something. You're here to get some new ideas. You're here to, and, and you just need to know that we don't think we do everything perfect. In fact, we're learning as much today as you might say that you learn from us. We're going to learn a lot from your questions. We're going to be asking you questions throughout the day. We're not here to sell you anything. Um, in fact, if you're in children's ministry, you should know that all of our children's ministry resources are on a website for free. Um, you can just go there and you just register for that website and you can download all of our stuff. We produce it. It's out there free. And when we say free, we mean free. We don't mean this is free, but this, this is $149. When we say free, we mean free. And that's, you can go to that and we'll tell you more information about that. How many of you just curiously have used that children's material? You've used that. All right. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Number three, number three, the reason some people here, um, and this is what I really want to focus on is desperation. Desperation. You got up early this morning, or you traveled, um, you know, from somewhere else in the United States, even the world, here, because in your heart, you love teenagers, and you love children. You do. You love them. You, you absolutely love them, and you want to see God do something in them. You don't, like, like, you don't want them, because some of you in here, you've got my testimony. You didn't come to Christ until, I, like, after high school. You kind of wish you would have gotten it before high school or actually before middle school, or you wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that you made in middle school and high school. And that was one of the reasons for motivation for youth ministry for me. I was like, I don't want these kids to do what I did. And just the other morning, just the other morning, I was in my quiet time, and I got a Psalm 145, and I was reading Psalm 145, and I got to verse 3, and I just want to read a couple verses, because these verses still, still stir my heart. The Bible says, great is the Lord and most, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They will, they tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glory, of the glorious 
splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And I started thinking about our student ministry, and I started thinking about our children's ministry. Anytime I read something like that, I think about that. And my heart was so stirred for, the, for, our, um, for our children's pastors and our um, student pastors and for this conference and so I'm just praying that those of us in this room that really are desperate to see God do something significant in the lives of our children, in the lives of our students, that you'll walk away with one or two or three ideas that hopefully equip you, empower you, or inspire you to go do what God has already called and equipped you to do. So with that in mind, I want to share, I want to finally get to my four convictions. Here we go. Number one, I believe that student and children's ministry has more potential than any other ministry in the church. I believe that student and children's ministry have more potential than any other ministry in the church. I believe student ministry, children's ministry have more potential than any other ministry in the church. Now, most people here would agree with that because you're in student ministry our children's ministry. And just to let you know, this is, this is the only message, but we're going to put this on the podcast, Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. But if you're listening to the podcast, you're sitting there going, well, I don't agree with that. And, and you know why you don't agree? Because some people would go, well, I think discipleship ministry is the most important. Or I think um, the care ministry is the most important. Or I think the worship ministry is the most important. And you got the pastor, I think the preaching of the word is most important. Now, listen, I didn't say the student and children's ministry was the most important said it has more potential. There's a difference. Every ministry is important. Now, this is where some people want to push back and go, my ministry has more potential. No, don't. No, don't. And, and let me, let me kind of give you, um, let me give you this illustration. If you're making an investment, okay, how many people know who Dave Ramsey is? Dave Ramsey yells at people because they're broke. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, I love Dave. I love Dave. He's coming here to speak next year. I think he's awesome, okay? He yelled at me and told me I was broke and I got it right. So, but... But Dave, when he talks about investing, okay, when he talks about investing, once you go through all your baby steps, he talks about investing. What is one of the keys to, to having a lot later on? You've got to invest early. You invest early, you invest often, and the, the more you invest and the longer you invest, the bigger return that you get long term. Now, bring that back to the church is there a better investment than the nursery? That's a long-term investment. Preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school. It's the best investment in the church. I love people that talk about missions, and I'm all about missions. And, you know, we're going to go to Africa and Asia and India. And I'm there, man. I'm all about foreign missions. I'm about taking the gospel to the world. I'm there. You don't have to sell me on it. But I believe the biggest mission field in America, in America today, are, are, are people under the age of 18. I want to prove it to you. How many people in this room received Christ before the age of 18? Raise your hand. Look around. I rest my case. If 90% of the people in this room received Christ before the age of 18, it's important. And think about this. Think about this. All this plays into how we do church because I've got a six-year-old little girl named Karis. Now think about this for a second. Growing up, when I went to church, when my mom drugged me to church, and some of you had that experience where you got drugged to church, my mom drugged me to church. I hated church. 
I never, listen to me, I never saw anyone get saved or receive Christ on a Sunday morning in my church. Ever. Ever. So the first time I gave an invitation at New Spring and like four people got saved, I thought I'd done something wrong. I remember we did an invitation one time and 26 people got saved. And church people got mad. They were like, well, I've been in church all my life. I've never seen anything like that. And I was bothered until I started reading the Bible <laughs> and figured out that that's normal. So, so think about this for a second. My daughter's six. I'm not boasting on us. I mean, we're not perfect. I mean, you're going to see that today. But it is, it is a normal Sunday around New Spring Church if between 50 or 100 people receive Christ on a Sunday. Now, this, some people, some people, we get this all the time. Well, how do you know those salvations are real? Well, how do you know yours is real? <laughs> Why would you doubt somebody else's salvation but believe your own? Just a thought. Just, just wanted to throw that out there. I know nobody here, but you're probably listening to the podcast right now. So I... <laughs> So think about this. I never saw anybody saved, and I thought that was normal. But now we've got a generation coming up at our church to 50 to 100 people. That's normal for them. That's normal. Students, student ministers, children's ministers, listen to me. You get to set the new normal in your church. And if you don't like the way things are, you get to change it. You. You. And I'm telling you. You get a healthy student and children's ministry going over the long haul, it'll change your community. It is, listen, I can't walk in Starbucks in Anderson without seeing students under the age of 18 in there, Bibles open, reading, sharing the scriptures. And 95% of the time, it's our students. I can't go to Chick-fil-A any morning without seeing a small group of middle schoolers meeting with their high school small group leader. And they're over there talking, and I'm over in the corner trying not to weep because I'm like, that's how you change a community. You don't have a church that starts a Christian school. You just get so many Christians in the school that they change the school from non-Christian to Christian. Now, if, well, if your church has a school, that's awesome. <laughs> Got to say that, all right? So I believe that, and, and I believe, I believe. Now, this, this leads to number two, and this is where it gets, it's going to get a little tense, but just let's work through the tension a little bit, and then we're going to be okay, and we'll all hug afterwards, okay? Number two, I believe that a healthy student in children's ministry must be fully supported by the senior pastor. I believe that a healthy student and children's ministry must be fully supported by the senior pastor. A little tense. It's all right. It'll get more tense before it gets better, but let me fully explain this, okay? Um, there are some senior pastors here, and, and let me just commend you for coming to this conference. Thank you. So, in fact, if you're a senior pastor, would you just raise your hand? I just want to recognize. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of you guys here. Man. That is seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
um, so much. I'm telling you, it is awesome that you're here. I am so glad that you're here. I mean, it is, it is an encouragement to me, so telling senior pastor that you came. Now, if your senior pastor's not here, here's what you're thinking. Senior pastor isn't here. Let's, let's, okay, back up. If Brad and Sherry would have came to me six months ago and said, hey, there's a student ministry, children's ministry conference happening and so-and-so, and we want to go. Can we go? I would have probably asked a couple, okay, tell me about it. And where's it going to be? Okay, yeah, yeah, go. But I wouldn't have said, uh, hey, guys, can I come too? Now, I'm not saying senior pastors did that, all right? Because I'm whoo, you got to qualify. With Twitter out there, you can get crucified quick. That's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago, because he didn't want to be here when they had Twitter. So you gotta, you got to cover your bases. But let's give your senior pastor the benefit of the doubt as to why he's not here. He's probably busy. He's probably doing some things. We're going to come back to him and the way you can encourage him and support him. But I want to speak. And by the way, if you're a senior pastor and your children or student pastor told you, you need to listen to this podcast, this was mainly the section they wanted you to listen to, all right? The whole fully supported by the senior pastor, okay? Um, guys and gals, what it, we cannot see student and children's ministry as a glorified babysitting service in our churches. And so I just want to talk to senior pastors about three things that I think we've got to do if we want to see a healthy student and children's ministry. First one is we've got to spend time. We've got to spend time. We've got to spend time in two different areas. First of all, you've got to spend time, we've got to spend time with our student pastor, and we've got to spend time with our children's pastor. You've got to spend time with them. And, and senior pastors, let me push down on this a little bit, and then I'm going to push down on the student children's pastors. Senior pastors, you have to clarify the win. Student children's pastors, you don't get to clarify the win. You don't get to tell him what it's going to do. That's where a lot of conflict happens between youth ministry, children's ministry, and senior pastors. Senior pastors, you've got to clarify the win. And it's got to be spoken, and it's got to be clear. Because, senior pastors, we cannot hold staff members accountable for unspoken, unrealistic expectations. So my, my expectation, and by the way, I hang out with Brad. I hang out with Sherry. I have lunch with them. They come to my office. We talk. We chat. And most of the time, it's not for me to just to drop a bunch of wisdom on them. It's for me to ask questions. How's it going? What you need? How we doing? You know, I, I want to know because I want to figure out how I can fully support them. Sherry, over the children's ministry, I've always told her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, our children's ministry is based on two things. Because when parents come ask, when parents come pick kids up, Every Sunday, they're going to ask them two questions in this order. Did you have fun? What did you learn? That's it. That's it. First question the parents going to ask. Now, I know there's some people here, and you're theologically awesomely superior to everybody, and you have no friends, and so you're thinking, <laughs> well, that's not the correct question. The correct question should be, have you learned about the manifest presence of God and the love of Jesus Christ? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Parents don't care. They just want to know they had fun. And then they ask, what'd you learn? And sometimes the kid talks so much about fun that they never talk about what they learn. That's okay. That's okay. I'll talk to you more about that later because some people go, that's the consumer mentality. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you why that's awesome. Um, 
I've told Brad, I said, I want to see students connected to Christ in the church. That's it. I want to see students connected to Christ in the church. I want to see students showing up on Wednesday and showing up on Sunday. I don't want Wednesday and Sunday to be separate ministries. Now, we have that in some occasions. We have some students that come here on Wednesday night, but their parents won't let them come on Sunday. Hey, we understand that. But, but our student ministry is one of the biggest champions of our church on the planet. It's got to be that way because there's no competition. And these guys know I support them, and I know they support me. We got to spend time. And senior pastors, let me push down on this a little bit more. One of the things I started doing five years ago is because I cut my teeth in youth ministry. I started in youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for nine years before I got into becoming a senior pastor. And I was a senior pastor for about nine years until I began to realize something. I don't know how to connect with teenagers anymore. So about five years ago, I started doing a discipleship group. There's about between 10 and 12 teenagers that meet with me once a month. They all have my phone number. They have complete access. We sit around. We talk about questions. We talk about what's going on in their life. We sit at a table. I love these students. I love, I love these students as much as I've loved ever, anybody in my life. Many of them now are actually on staff at New Spring Church. I don't select these students. Our student ministry selects these students. But I'm telling you, it's helped me connect with students and preach better messages. Because pastors, if you want to learn how to preach to your church in 15 to 20 years, you better be connecting with the students now. I believe it's got to be fully supported with our time. Number two, this will be fun. I believe it's got to be fully supported with our money. We got to spend time. And number two, we got to spend money. This will be fun. This will cause some great conversations. I'm glad you guys get to go have this, these conversations. I believe student and children's ministry should be one of the best resourced areas in the church. Let me tell you another thing that I feel, and you could disagree with me, and that's okay, because you can be wrong. <laughs> I think making students and children do fundraisers are ungodly and unbiblical. You feel the tension? Feel the tension? Like somebody just cut the podcast off right there. Because, okay, let's think about it from a business mind, okay? Car washes. Number one, nothing good ever happens at the car wash. Number two, your students screw up everybody's car that they wash because they're not paying attention to the car and they're streaking it and then somebody had to go pay 70 bucks to get it waxed and buffed after your student ministry washed the stupid car. And then you spent $80 on car wash material and you made 100 It's just not smart. Hot dog sales. Oh, my gosh. You can't sell enough hot dogs to get your student ministry to a foreign country. Hot dogs, brownies. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. Pastors, you are the chief fundraiser in your church for your student ministry and your children's ministry. You, You. You. Now, people go, well, you don't know about my church and you don't know about my budget. Please come tell me your sad budget story. Please, love to hear it, because I started with 500 bucks. My first, my first, they had more money in the cemetery fund. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I'm looking at the budget. I'm like, we got $15,000 in the cemetery fund? Half those people aren't in heaven anyway. And then we got... <laughs> I 
we got $500 to spend on students? Come on, student pastors, you can spend $500 on pizza for one event. But we made it work. When we started New Spring, because we've had people go, if I had all this, I'd be awesome. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Why would God trust you with this if he can't trust you with what you got in your hands right now? I mean, stewardship is, stewardship's the issue. Stewardship's the issue. But I want to go back to senior pastors. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, senior pastors, you need to be the one to raise money for the student ministry and the children's ministry. You. You cast vision. You cast vision. You declare a need. And then you challenge your people to give. And in our church, listen, students and children have always came first. Students and children. I know in a lot of churches, there's conflict between the senior adult ministry and the children's ministry. And I've always, we don't really have that at New Spring. We didn't even have senior adults um, until like five years ago. Now they're everywhere. We love them. We love them. We love senior adults. But I know in a lot of um, smaller churches, because I worked in that environment, there's conflict. And I would always tell, I remember my last church, I would tell the senior adults, hey, when a baby's born into a house, who gives up their rights, the baby or the parents? The parents, because they're older. Older people need to be willing to push back and push aside and do without so the students and children can have. Because MTV's spending money on them. And we can't get PO'd at MTV reaching more kids when they're spending money on them, but we have to have a business meeting to decide if we want to drop an extra $250 so they can go to student camp. It's ungodly and it's unbiblical. And we got to spend money on them. So we got to spend time. We got to spend money. Okay, some of y'all, that was worth the price of the conference right there. <laughs> and senior pastors, we got to get over it. We got to spend time, we got to spend money, and we got to get over it. Senior pastors, I want you to listen to me in the room or on the podcast. You are not a student pastor. Because I've met some senior pastors that go, well, in my church, I'm the student pastor. Well, then your student ministry sucks. That's what I know about your student ministry. You don't have to tell, I don't even have to come to your church to see it. I know, I know that might, well, I'm in my senior, I'm, I'm the children's pastor. Whoa, oh my gosh. Don't do that to your children. Don't, I mean, <laughs> hire the right people, get out of their way. Hire the right people, because listen, listen, listen. I am now the old guy. When we started the church, I was young, cool, and hip. Now, recently, like, the band was going to do this song. We, we do this big summer camp every year, and I get to go speak at the summer camp. And one of these days, and they're probably going to tell me, hey, Perry, why don't you just rest this year? I'm, ex I'm fully <laughs> expecting that. But for now, they, they still let me speak at the summer camp. So I go, and I love the teenagers and try to connect with them. And, but the, the band was going to do this song, and they called it, Oh My God, My Father, hashtag OMGMF. That was the hashtag. Don't get mad. I'm just saying that's the way that... And so the first time the band sang it, I'm standing off to the side going, I don't like this. I don't like this. I mean, I don't think this is good. And then the next time they took me over, we have a studio in Greenville, and they took me to the studio, and they're playing it, and I'm like, I had stink face on. I was like, I don't <laughs> And then I looked, and everybody in the room under the age of 25 was doing this. And then we got to the gauntlet, which is our student camp, and they played the song, and the students went nuts. And I was like, I'm the, I'm the old guy now. I'm the old guy. I'm that guy. Now, 
Back up. What if I would have said, hey, guys, I don't like that song. We're not doing it. Then I've limited our student ministry. Senior pastors, we've got to ask ourselves a question. Do we want to control a move of God or do we want to unleash one? Because if we want to unleash it, we've got to hire the right people and get out of their way. Hold them accountable. Speak clear, spoken, realistic expectations. Let them go do it. Because they're not going to do it the way we would have done it. Thank God. They need to raise up people that will know how to reach their generation. The church is obsessed. You've been to conferences. How are we going to reach the next generation? Now, how are we going to impact? You know what? It's not our job to reach the It's not our job to effectively reach the next generation. It's our job to reach the people in our church and raise them up, and they will reach their own generation. I'm telling you, they know how to speak their language. All right? Number three, number three, number three, number three. Oh, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. I got to say this. I got to say this. Going back to your senior pastor, be nice to that guy. Some of you are like, I'm going back and telling him he needs to spend money. He needs to get a discipleship group, and he needs to get over it. And I'm taking that OMGMF song because I just like the title of it. I don't even know what it sounds like, but it'll offend people in our church, and I'm, I'm stirring it up. No, 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 just... That guy has a lot of pressure on him. Lots. Pressure that you don't even know about. He's fighting battles that you don't know he's fighting. He's dealing with things. He's fighting some of your battles that you don't know he's fighting for you. Dealing with things. In fact, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So my question for you, as we've thought about your senior pastor, is as your, th- as your senior pastor thinks about you, does he have joy or a burden? Just a thought. Give that guy, give that guy some grace, okay? Number three, number three. I believe we've got to have the right people in the right places. I believe we've got to have the right people in the right places, I want to explain this, and once again, we're going to have some tension, and we'll navigate through that for the rest of the day, and it'll be fun. Um, In smaller churches, and I know there's churches of all sizes here, smaller churches, people get hired to do youth and children's ministry. So I'm the youth pastor and the children's pastor. Now, if you're here and you're the youth and children's pastor, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it's about to get weird because you can't do it. You can't do it. The reason you got hired is because the church is trying to save money. I'm just telling, listen, I've been in church work now for nearly 25 years. I've, listen, I've been all around this rodeo. We'll hire this guy as the youth and the children's pastor. And we'll put in his job description other duties as assigned by youth and children's committee. (laughs) This guy's cutting everybody's grass and it's, it's just, it's horrible. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen, listen, listen. It, you, because you, here's, here's what, I, I got hired to do children's ministry one time. I was the youth pastor, and the children's position opened up, and I just needed a full-time job, okay? I, just, I was like, I'll do the children's ministry. I know how to do Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and I did all those songs. And <laughs> Some of you are old school. You remember that, right? And so, and so I did that, and then I realized after I'd been into it for about a year, I hate children.
Like when you're having fantasies about punting kids through the church, it's time to get out. Don't judge me. So I started doing things on purpose. Like I would have a parents night out and be like, hey, I want to provide y'all with a date night. I need some volunteers. And all the parents thought it was a good idea. And so they all sent their kids, but no volunteers. And I was like, I can fix that. I went to the store. I bought Coca-Cola and Oreos. <laughs> 30 minutes before their parents came and picked them up, I loaded them up and sent them home. And I went home and cut my phone off and went to bed. After a while, I realized that that was not good for the unity and the harmony of the church long term. So I remember going to my pastor going, hey, man, I can't do this anymore. I, 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 what's the problem? I don't like children. Well, is there something wrong with your heart? No, I'm closer to God than I've ever been before. But that kid's a brat, and he, and he won't mind. I can make him mind, but I, I, I've got a feeling that that wouldn't go over good either. And so I had to have a conversation. And what I'm saying is this. Your heart, your heart is going to lean to one side or the other. I would just encourage churches, especially if you're here, don't force someone to do something that they don't have a passion for. We just need to suck it up and do it. Uh, it's easy to say when you don't have to do what they're doing. You're in this room. You love students. You love children. And I will tell you, you get... I would tell you that you've got to be in the right place. And, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The volunteers that work with these students and these children are, the, are so, I can't even emphasize. Hey, I would rather have solid volunteers than a larger budget. Straight up. Because in every church I've ever been at, every church I've ever been at, every church I've ever seen, every church I've ever visited, done numerous youth camps you always have angry youth volunteer every one of you have angry youth volunteer in your volunteer ministry they're just angry youth volunteer they they just yell at kids all the time hey get over here shut up sit down they're just angry youth volunteer angry youth volunteer hey you got to get angry youth volunteer out of your youth ministry well it's the pastor's wife well she needs to go She needs to go. You can't have angry children's volunteer. If you got a volunteer raising their voice at children or, you know, threatening children or saying stupid things or disconnected with children, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, volunteers in the right place is one of the most essential components of effective ministry, which it's tense because it means some of us have to go back and have hard conversations. You can't volunteer anymore. Why? Because you're angry. What do I do? Take some Prozac. I don't know. You, we got to figure that out. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some ministries cannot grow and they will not grow because they don't have the right people in the right places. You say, Peter, what's the right people? Well, I'll go into this as I close today. But the most important thing about right people is they love Jesus and they love students or they love Jesus or the, and they love children. That's it. That's it. And if they're going to work in your ministry, because if they work here, they need to love Jesus, love this church, and love children. Love Jesus, love, student, love this church, and love students. What about theological knowledge? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because students and children care way more about relationship than they do about your ability to break down Scripture. 
I'll talk about that at the end of the day. Number four, number four, number four. Number four, I believe that environments matter. I believe that environments matter. We have a very unique children's vision in our church. Some of you have been here. Some of you know about this. Some of you don't. We don't allow children in service. Well, you can't do that. Well, we've done it for 13 years. (laughs) Yes, you can. We don't allow children in service. Now, let me tell you how we got here because it's hugely important. I was preaching one night. The church was about five months old. A mother had her three-year-old daughter in the sanctuary with her. The three-year-old daughter was demon-possessed. And so, now some people just got mad, but every senior pastor in the room went, I know that kid, they were in my church Sunday. So she was like running around during the worship and bumping into people back when that wasn't cool. Now that's cool in church, evidently, to run around and bump into people, but she was doing it and it wasn't cool yet. And I was preaching, and I don't forget, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I look, and she's standing next to me on the stage. They don't train you for this in the seminary, do they, guys? You're just like, so I literally, all I knew, I was like, can I help you? And she was like, ah! she screamed and cried and ran to her mom, and her mom picked her up, scooped her up, and they ran out the back door. Afterwards, we had a guy that was um, sort of on staff. He didn't, he didn't make it long, but he was sort of on staff. He came up to me and said, I cannot believe what happened. I was like, I know, it was the craziest thing in the world, wasn't it? He said, no, I'm not talking about, he said, I'm talking about you. I can't believe what you did. I was like, what do you mean what I did? He said, you embarrassed that little girl and you embarrassed her mother. I was like, what was I supposed to do? Hand her the freaking microphone and ask her, did she know any scripture? <laughs> so I went home. I was, up, I was highly upset. I went home and I started thinking, I'm going to be the bad guy. Either way. Because if the kid's wigging out and I'm the preacher and I stop and go, ma'am, you're going to need to shut your kid up. <laughs> Everybody in the room, well, all the mercy people go, that's just mean. And the leader's like, I'll handle that problem. And so it creates tension in the room. And you know, I know some people have the problem, well, we just let them in. If the baby's being disrupted, the mom will get up and take it out. No, she won't. She gets louder than the baby. So, we just decided years ago, you know what, we're just going to stop him at the front door and say, and, and here's the other thing, here's the other thing, here's the other thing. I'm going to preach on subjects that are real, and they hit people right between the eyes. And we've had, we've had parents, I remember I had, this, I had this conversation personally. Well, my child, my seven-year-old is mature, and they can handle anything. I was like, oh, so when I preach about sex and I talk about masturbation, do they know what that is? <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure that I, I don't I, I'm not really, I, I don't really think you can talk about that because I, that's just not something. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you that most of the people in our church have struggled with it. So I'm going to talk about it. 
So unless you want them to know what it is, because I'm going to tell kids that have snuck in to ask their mom and dad what that means when they get home. <laughs> so I'm just trying to protect parents. Now, we have middle school parents come in sometimes, and they'll go, my child, you said something about sex. And I'm like, listen, your child knows more than you do, and you're going to have to figure that out some other time. <laughs> I'm just... We, we just decided that we wanted to provide an environment for children that did not bore them. Because, come on now, when you went to church as a child, don't even try to tell me you loved it. If you're from a Baptist background like me, you knew where every hymn was in the hymnal. You knew every verse. You read your bulletin 17 times. You colored, and you went home. Nobody under the age of 12 ever went, God, he brought the word today. As a child, you're sitting there thinking, shut up. Oh, my gosh, you're killing me right now, right? Now, we have some parents, and they go, well, Jesus said, bring the little children unto me. He did. He did. But the rest of that verse says, bring the little children unto me and do not hinder them. And see, we see our services as a hindrance for children under the age of 12 that really want to get to know who Jesus is on their level. And so instead of partnering with you and boring them to death, we want them to be in an environment where they have fun and they learn something. Now, I wrote down some excuses that parents give us for this. And I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying you're going to hear this if you were to try to do this. Number one, I want my kid to see me worship. What they mean is I want my kid to see me raise my hand during a song. And what I've told parents, and I say this from the stage, and I've said this personally, if you're raising your hand in the song, but you're rude to the lady at the grocery store, they don't think you're worshiping, they think you're a hypocrite. You just put that in the pipe and smoke it for a while, all right? <laughs> we want to worship as a family. You got Monday through Saturday. The third one is, uh, my kid doesn't want to be away from me. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they, they really do. You don't know how, but they just don't know how to articulate it right now. <laughs> do you know, and I would say this, and Sherry can confirm this when she's on stage, or uh, most of the parents that tell us, my kids don't want us to, my kids, after the parent leaves, the, the kid may cry for a minute or two, and then it's done over. Parent comes and picks them up and the kid's having so much fun they don't want to go back to the parent. Okay? Now, unapologetically, unapologetically, what you need to know is that my desire as the pastor, Brad's desire as the student pastor, Sherry's desire as the children's pastor is that we as a church would reach more and more and more people. We would reach more students, we would reach more children, and we would reach more people. That's the goal. At the end of the day, that's the goal. And I've had people go, I've had people ask me, and you don't even have to ask this question because I'm going to go ahead and answer it for you because we've got a lot of Q&A today. Perry, it seems to me like here in your church, it's all about the numbers. Yep. I get a numbers report every week. I know what the uh, children have. I know what the children have per campus. I know what the students have. I know what the students have per campus. I pay attention to it because numbers don't lie. Because it's our job to reach as many as possible. Now, people have asked me, where do, they, where do I get that idea? And it's where I get all my ideas from, the Bible. It's great. Listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And he says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Huh. 
there's that crazy Apostle Paul. Sounded to me like it was all about the numbers. Probably why, it's probably why he went and planted all those churches. Paul seems to me like you're all about the numbers. And Paul would say, I wrote most of the New Testament. Sit down and shut up. All right, here we go. Verse 20. <laughs> to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Don't miss this. To the Jew, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became unlike one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win as those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. Paul was a detailed person. Um, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to, the, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means... I might save some, save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So looking at that verse, I would say, where Paul said, I become, to, to, to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. I would say it wouldn't be a stretch to take that and say, and to the children, I become like a child to reach the children. And to the students, I become like a student to win the students. And it's not compromising the gospel. It is the gospel. God became man. If we're not willing to become who we're reaching, we're not interested in reaching them. Right? So, so let, me, let me close out with the whole environments matter. Let me give you four things um, in um, for your environments, and then, then I'll be done. I'm going to sit back and take notes. All right? Four things for... for and and let, me, let me share this before I get in. No matter your budget size, no matter, no matter your budget size, no matter how many staff you have, no matter how many volunteers you have, these four things you can implement in your church on Sunday. Has nothing to do with budget size, has everything to do with willingness to work. First thing that we got to have environments is they got to be clean. Clean. Anybody can do clean. Everybody can do clean. Doesn't matter. Pair, you don't understand. We meet in portable church. Please talk to me about portable church. Please. Please come tell me your sad portable church story. Unless you're meeting in a sewer, you can do clean. We did portable church for six years before we built that building over there. Most of our campuses are in portable facilities. I know what clean is, and I know. And listen, let me, let me just be very honest with you. I remember visiting a church one time, and I didn't have Lucretia or Karis with me. It was just me, and I was there, and the pastor and I are walking around, and he's showing me everything, da 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 And we got to the children's area, and he was like, and this is where Karis would be. And I looked in there, and I was like, no, I, I, I didn't say this out loud because I'm trying to be nice, but I was like, no, she wouldn't. I would not leave my little girl in that room. Well, why? What'd you see? Dirty carpet. Well, I just don't think that that should be a hindrance. Well, you, obviously, you don't have children. Well, I think the most important thing for a church to do is preach the word. If, if you've got dirty carpet, parents aren't leaving their kids in the room. They're not going to bring their kids to a nasty facility. Doesn't matter how articulate the children's ministry preaches the word of God. Clean is a value. And I hear people going, well, we're doing it for Jesus. Then do it right. If we're doing it for Jesus, let's do it right. Clean is a value, and everybody um, can do clean. 
Now, here's the argument to that. Perry, it sounds to me like you're all about the numbers, and it, this is kind of a consumer. This is what I love. I love when people talk about this. Churches like New Spring, y'all just have the consumer mentality. Yes. Yes, we do. And so do you. Well, no, we don't. We're about the word. Okay, go back to your church this Sunday and take the air conditioner out. Take the heater out. In fact, let's just take all the pews and chairs out and make people stand. Well, I wouldn't do that. Why? Do you have a consumer mentality? I mean, we're either going to make it as easy as possible or as miserable as possible. And I'm telling you, we can all do clean, and clean communicates that we cared about your children before they even got here. Clean. Number two, safe. Safe. Very practical things like, do you take your children's workers and your youth workers through background checks? Well, you've got to pay for those. Well, you're going to pay for that or pay for the lawsuit. <laughs> the background check's way cheaper. Do you do background checks? And listen, every time, it's so funny, because I used to have to have these conversations. You sit down with people, and you I want to volunteer, okay, you need to fill out this application, you need to have an interview, we're going to talk to you, now let me talk to you about your background check, and you see them go, uh, um, what exactly are you checking for? And so it's turned into some really great confession of sin, and like, you can kind of really, oh, so you're in prison, okay. And so you kind of get that unpacked a little bit. And I'm not, listen, man, prison workers are awesome. So I'm, I'm not cracking on that. I'm just saying, you got to be willing, for our student ministry and our children's ministry, you got to fill out an application, you got to go through an interview, and you got to have a background check. And then when you come pick up kids, listen, we've got a system in place because in a lot of churches, listen, in a lot of churches, in many churches here, I could go to any of your churches and go back in your nursery and get any kid that I wanted. It's very simple. Hey, uh, Bobby and Tammy wanted me to come pick up their little girl for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm out the door. So you got to have a system. we got to have a system in place that protects that. Now, here's the pushback. Here's the argument. Perry, if we do that, if we make our existing youth and children's workers go through background checks, and if we start implementing a check-in system and all this stuff, it's going to make some of our existing people feel very uncomfortable. Well, that's fine. You just told me who you're more passionate about reaching. That you don't care about the people coming to your church. You care about keeping people in your church happy. And when you care more about keeping people in your church happy than you do about the people that are coming to your church, you can rest assured that nobody's coming to your church. You, if you want to reach students and children, have got to make that environment clean and safe. Clean and safe. Clean and safe. Well, we have, we have um, volunteer security people at our student services and they walk around. If we see random, weird adult person walking around without a name tag, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Because we care way more about their safety than, well, who's going to offend somebody? Well, get in line. You offend somebody every week, all right? Number three, number three, um, fun. So you got, you got clean, you got safe, you got fun. I told you earlier, and I don't want to spend a lot of time repeating myself, that um, I told Sherry over our children's ministry, kids, did you have fun? What'd you learn? I ask my six-year-old little girl that every week. And she always answers it. I mean, I had, we, yeah, I had fun. And this is what I learned. Yeah, I had fun. This is what we learned. They do a really good job of um, 
make, but, but fun is a value. Fun is a value. And let me just say this. Fun is a value in our student ministry too. I want students to have fun. I want students to show up. Now, we teach them the word and we do worship and all that stuff, but I want people to enjoy church. I think church should be enjoyed. If we're going to go to heaven, heaven's going to be fun. I think if this is supposed to be a picture of heaven, I don't think we should be making ourselves as miserable as possible for an hour. I think it's okay to have fun. Fun is a value. And I heard somebody much wiser than me say this before, and I just want to kind of repeat it here because it was so good. Students don't stop coming to church because they disbelieve. They stop coming to church because they're disengaged. Students don't stop coming to church because they, because I've, and once again, it's about the truth. It's about the truth. It's what the Bible says. Listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. How many people did Jesus reach doing that? Hey, you need to stop that. The Bible says don't do that. Hey, you need to stop that. No, 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 no. What did he do? He engaged people where they were. I think he had fun. Number four, number four, number four, number four, number done. Simple. You got clean, safe, fun, and simple. When I say simple, and once again, this is our philosophy. Might not be your philosophy, but it's, it's served us well for 13 years. You know what our children's ministry is responsible for? Sunday children's ministry. We don't have a daycare. We don't have a school. We have Sunday services. Sunday comes 52 times a year. I believe last year it came 53 times because it was on a leap year. All right? Some of y'all remember that. January 1st, nobody came to church. It's true. Go look at your numbers. Nobody came to church. But I tell them, we're not, we're not doing it. Now, listen, if you've got a daycare, praise God. God for your daycare. If you got a school, praise God for that. Here's what I know. Resources are split up and they can't go to Sundays and Sundays aren't as good as they could be. I just know that. Well, you don't know I've got leadership. Uh, I, listen, I, it doesn't matter. Unless Jesus is leading it, it's in a lot of trouble, okay? With student ministry, when I say simple, you know what we do with student ministry? You know what I want them to do? Midweek services. That's it. We don't do 72 retreats. We don't do 48 disciple nows. We don't do 78, you know, weekly events. They, we do a student camp and a big, huge event at the end of May called Few Summer Kickoff that if you're a student pastor, you need to lean into our student team because I'm telling you, it's one of the most amazing things. And the energy from Few Summer Kickoff really fuels and energizes not just our student ministry, but our entire church. And I'm sure Brad, some of these guys are going to be talking about it later on. But simple. I want... Clean, safe, fun, and simple. Clean, safe, fun, and simple. Clean, safe, fun, and simple. Sherry gives the kids a sermon and a sentence every week. Brad does an unbelievable job at communicating to these students every week what they need to know. Clean, safe, fun, and simple. What about discipleship? You don't, you're not going to have anybody to disciple if you don't make it clean, safe, fun, and simple. Clean, safe, fun, and simple. Those environments, I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, will grow any student in children's ministry. Um, I am, once again, I am super, super, super glad you're here. Super, super glad you're here. As you spend time with us today, as you walk around, as you interact with some of our student staff, as you interact with a lot of our children's staff, some of you are going to come and you're going to ask us the question. I'm going to close with this. You're going to start asking us this question. Where did you hire all of these amazing people? Because they are amazing. I'm, I will boast on them. I'll brag about them. They are amazing. And what you need to know about where we hired these amazing people is they were in our church. And you've got some amazing people in your church. 
You get them focused on volunteering, loving students and children, make it clean, safe, fun, and simple, get your senior pastor to fully support it and understand the potential in it, and your student and children's ministry will explode. Will explode. We built this building for them several years ago, and they've already outgrown this building, and they're back over in the main auditorium. It will explode. That's what we want for you today. Father, thank you so much for all your goodness to us. Um, Father, I thank you for every student, children's pastor, volunteer, leader, staff member in this room. And it's my prayer that today we'll be challenged, we'll be encouraged, and we'll walk away, Jesus, believing in what you've called us to do more than we've ever believed in it before. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.